It's the end of the month, which means it's time for a media spotlight. In the last month, in the last couple of months, we've been talking a lot about how men need to feel appreciated, trusted, and accepted in their marriage. That they need to feel these things in order to thrive. And we've been talking about how we wives can express those things in order to help men thrive specifically in the areas of work and financial management, which God designed him to associate with his sense of self-worth. And I was talking um, to other mom friends of mine, and we were just talking about how much we women value being understood uh, by each other. And it occurred to me (laughs) that, you know, that short list of three things that men need to thrive in their marriage, and in any situation, really, um, being understood is not on that list. Being understood is not one of them. I think my... I think of my husband cheering for the Browns, (laughs) and I was not raised with any particular love for football, but I appreciate and accept that about him, and it makes me smile to see how important it is, especially to his relationship with his dad and his brothers. I love how gung-ho he is about passing on his dedicated fandom to our kids. And I was astounded when I first heard my husband talking to my brothers and my dad about football, because again, I had no idea uh, that my dad and the oldest of my three younger brothers cared that much about football. We were not raised uh, with any particular love for it. My dad was not a Sunday night football guy. I don't think I ever sat down to watch a football game until I was a young adult, Um, already graduated from college, attending a Catholic young adult party where they had a Sunday game on. So I was flabbergasted the first time that I heard my husband drawing something out of my dad and my one brother that I just had no idea existed. Um, And it's so hard to describe, but I just, I find it to be a, a fascinating demonstration of masculine genius. I cannot, for the life of me, follow a football game. (laughs) Uh, My husband is trying to explain, but I I couldn't, I really could not, for the life of me, explain how the game is played. Uh, And when my husband talks analysis and prediction, and he's talking about the different builds that different positions need to be able to carry out their role on the team, again, I just, I, I find it to be a beautiful expression of masculine genius, but I do not pretend to understand it. Uh, And apparently by my husband, that's okay. (laughs) Accepting and appreciating him and his love for football is enough. He doesn't expect me or ask me to understand. But even though I have come to accept that being understood is not needed, I like to try. I, I try a little harder in some areas than others, and it's a lot of pressure off of me knowing that it's not expected of me but it makes me realize how bad I ought to feel for men whose wives demand that they strive to understand their wife (laughs) ah ladies there there are things about us that men will never understand but it's so important to us isn't it and when we don't make the time to seek out a tribe of women to fulfill that emotional need to be understood, 
it's a lot of pressure on our husbands and how much more so precisely because it's not something that they need from us or at least not to the extent that we women need it from others With that said, even if men don't need it to the extent that we do, I think it is healthy for us to try. I think it's good for our marriages to try to understand our husbands, even if they don't demand that of us. And so I've selected this book to spotlight because I think it does very well well um, in killing two birds with one stone. <laughs> the book is The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And I think it gives a lot of insight into how our men work while at the same time offering a lot of wisdom that we wives can benefit from implementing in our own lives. Hardy explains, quote, the compound effect is the principle of reaping huge rewards from a series of small, smart choices. What's most interesting about this process to me is that even though the results are massive, the steps in the moment don't feel significant. Whether you're using this strategy for improving your health, relationships, finances, or anything else for that matter, the changes are so subtle, they're almost imperceptible. These small changes offer little to no or no immediate result, no big win, no obvious I told you so payoff. Most people get tripped up by the simplicity of the compound effect. End quote. Now, the subtitle of the compound effect reads, jumpstart your income, your life, your success. And so he goes on to say, quote, before we dig in, I have one warning. Earning success is hard. The process is laborious, tedious, sometimes even boring. Becoming wealthy, influential, and world-class in your field is slow and arduous. Don't get me wrong. You'll see results in your life from following these steps almost immediately. But if you have an aversion to work, discipline, and commitment, you're welcome to turn the TV back on and put your hope in the next infomercial, end quote. Now, if the language is off-putting because it sounds so worldly, then I would ask you to consider these two things. Firstly, that some measure of success is needed for your husband to make enough money to support you and your children. I am recommending this book because it is not some get-rich-quick scheme. These principles that this book outlines for men to assimilate and implement are quite compatible with Catholic values. This book has only six chapters and chapters two through six are on choices, habits, momentum, influences, and acceleration. Choices and habits are self-explanatory. The chapter on momentum is about maintaining consistency in excellent habits. The chapter on influences talk, talks about not putting garbage into yourself and expecting to get good stuff to come out. So that could mean food. Um, Darren Hardy specifically talks about media influence and he talks about friends. This is great stuff. And finally, the chapter on acceleration is all about going above and beyond the call of duty. Some measure of success is needed for your husband to provide well for you and your children. You should want your husband to succeed in the workplace. And second, if you're at all concerned that the success might go to his head and tempt him to be worldly and become greedy and materialistic, then the second thing that I would ask you to consider is that you ought to desire success in marriage. And what does success look like for you? Well, 
Last month, we heard this quote from Carrie Grass, quote, women are called to contain others, not just to hold on to them, but to improve them and let them go again. Now healthier, stronger, and better prepared for the journey. The time-honored symbols of women, vessels, ovens, ships, and so on, represent containing something, transforming it, bringing people to safety. These are not unimportant things, but truly the elements that help people grow into their full potential. End quote. Success in marriage for you as a wife looks like this, that your husband comes home to you, to the haven you have created, and leaves a better man. You have the ability to influence how that success in the workplace influences him. You have the ability to draw out your husband's incredible potential for generosity. Part of man being given the task of providing for his family includes a potential to be incredibly generous. But first he must have something which he feels is worth giving, which he feels is in his power to give. Again, this is not a get-rich-quick book. Here are two more quotes indicating that this individual, Darren Hardy, has discovered what the church has always taught about the fruits of delayed gratification. Quote, The most challenging aspect of the compound effect is that we have to keep working away for a while, consistently and efficiently, before we can begin to see payoff. End quote. And also, Quote, it doesn't matter how smart you are or aren't. You need to make up in hard work what you lack in experience, skill, intelligence, or innate ability. End quote. And here's a third quote, which is perfectly in line with everything that we try to share in this podcast. Quote, believing the other person is wrong rather than looking inside and doing the work necessary to clean up your mess is basic psychology 101 stuff, end quote. This podcast is for wives because the only person you can control and therefore the only person you can work on objectively is yourself. If you are thinking to yourself that you wished that your husband would make better choices, let me ask you something. Do you think he made a good choice when he chose to ask you to be his wife? If I asked your husband what he thought if he thought that he'd made the best choice in choosing to ask you to give yourself to him willingly and freely, what would he say? I assume that your now husband asked you to marry him because at the time, he firmly believed that you were the woman who would bear with him in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, for better or for worse, for richer or poorer. And so in the bad times that you've been through, in any sickness that you have borne, in the trials of your marriage, in the poverty, have you been his refuge? Have you given him unconditional respect? Have you been his safe place to land? Did he make a good choice choosing you? And you know, when people say, yeah, but I didn't know it was going to be this hard. Let's put aside for a second the fact that the annulment process in the United States of America is heavily abused. To have grounds for annulment is not meant to gainsay what God says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Quote, it is not good that the man should be alone. 
I will make a helper fit for him, end quote. Rather, what canon law teaches us by having definitive grounds for annulment is that there are indeed other trespasses, other sins, which, though undoubtedly grievous, as all sin is, are precisely those opportunities allowed by God to married persons to image his in unconditional love to their spouse. If you are angry, hurting, frustrated, and you think that you deserve to be freed because you did not know the trials to which you were saying yes when you said yes to your husband's proposal, understand this, that every vocation says yes to the unknown. This is not specific to marriage. This is not specific to you. When a young man says yes to the calling to the priesthood, he does not know where he will be called to serve much less what the times hold for his priesthood. He does not know if he will be called to serve in times of great scandal, of open persecution, of hatred of the caller, of shame by association. He does not know if he will be blessed to preside at many happy baptisms, or if rather he will be needed at many funerals of individuals who committed suicide. I didn't know that it was going to be this hard is no excuse. But take heart, ladies. God gives his assurance to married couples that he offers all the grace needed to ensure that this trial before you is one which, with your cooperation, can make your marriage stronger than it ever was before. You and your spouse are given to each other so that you can image God's unconditional love to each other. Ladies, if you have been disrespectful, impatient, critical, if you have had the integrity to take these sins to confession, how would it affect your faith if at some point your confessor said to you, you've been so disrespectful and so impatient and so critical of your husband that he has finally earned the right to walk away from you? How hard would it be for you to continue to believe in God's unconditional love, much less that the Catholic faith is the one true faith, if you were to learn that for all she claims in theory, that in practice she actually permits for married love to be conditional? How would you avoid a crisis of faith? Also, as we said a few months ago, if your sins are so much smaller than your husband's, then they should be so much easier to eradicate, right? If your sins are so much smaller than your husband's, what excuse do you have for not being a living saint? But more importantly, if you were indeed a living saint, you would never, for a split second, entertain the thought of abandoning your spouse. No matter what his sins, if you were truly a living saint, you would be willingly nailed to the cross alongside Christ in a heartbeat if it meant securing your spouse's salvation. Moreover, abandonment comes in many forms. Too many couples have abandoned each other's hearts and souls even while still living under the same roof and sharing the same last name. So, ladies, this the book is Darren Hardy's The Compound Effect. Highly recommend that you read this for some insight into what makes your husband tick, but also for application in your own life in making one good choice at a time. 
and thus bringing yourself closer to sainthood. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find all the quotes and resources referenced in today's episode on our website. We'd love to hear from you. And we're looking forward to having you with us again next week on the Will to Wife podcast. Thank you.